Prepare to hear the truth from a real whistleblower and American patriot. Here's civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and indefinitely suspended FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello and welcome, my friends, to the Kyle Serafin Show. Uh, Today is a strange day at the end of an even stranger week. Uh, We are going to get into a number of topics, and I brought Steve Friend along for the ride because one suspendable deserves another suspendable. I think you're going to start seeing some more suspendables because I'm going to keep saying it over and over again. But also because our friend Garrett got a chance to testify in front of Congress today. He sent us a survivor picture, F-10 survivor photograph on the steps of the Rayburn building coming out of testifying in front of these members of Congress. He looks none the worse for the wear. I don't know what shape they are in. They're probably beat to hell. Garrett is a sizable individual with sleeve tatted tattoos and uh, long hair and a beard. He looks like he could ride with the Dothrakis. So I'm just saying... If anybody got the worst end of it, it's probably not the former army infantryman, former local beat cop and former FBI agent who is wildly pissed off at leaving his four children. Uh, I am a little bit riled up today. I'm glad Steve's along with me and Phil's going to not keep me any calmer. So that's no good. We're going to go ahead and jump into a number of topics. Let's start with topic number one, radical traditionalist Catholics. It's hard to say because it's so dumb. We're going to do that. We're going to talk about uh, how we may have hit the thermal exhaust port for the FBI. We're going to talk about fighting Godzilla. We're going to talk about Steve's new job, which I think is really important. We're going to talk about whistleblower and uh, integration of, um, of uh, into, uh, what do you call it? Insider threat training. Um, we're going to hit it all. We're going to just kind of freeform it. There's not that much of an agenda. Phil's got some stuff queued up. Let's start with the weaponization committee steve hey buddy how you doing doing outstanding man i'm glad it is a let's do everything friday yeah let's let's do it all let's talk about weaponization or at weaponization if you're following on twitter the weaponization committee actually has their twitter handle and they got the at sign weaponization um you want to give them a like a like a score on a scale of one to ten for their first day what do you think the first day uh, i mean I'm- Solid, solid three and a half with the uh, mm. with, with with the Russian judges, with the Russian judges who are extra critical, or are they friendly to the Russians? <laughs> At this point, who knows? But it's just a question mark. Yeah, not a lot of information came out. They're just kind of, I guess, setting the plate at this point. And at least that was sort of what was portrayed. Okay, so we've got a weaponization committee on the weaponization of the department of justice and the fbi against the american people featuring a former democratic presidential candidate a woman who shows up on scene in miami with her hair and makeup done wearing a raid jacket but has no business being there who resigned from the fbi as a non-whistleblower a law professor who's a sort of like new republican hero despite being kind of like a historical lib uh some guy that i've never heard of before and two senators who work in the same building as the people that are questioning them. What could go wrong with that, you think? Anything? I mean, if you just watch the Fox News primetime cable lineup, you think that is this going to be a home run? It's going to be up there with the the Clint Eastwood speech at the RNC to the open chair. Yeah, I don't remember watching that because I thought that wasn't <laughs> going to be good. I just remember hearing about it, and I imagine it was as good as I heard. Yeah? Just, yeah, yeah. just why? I, I, what, what are we doing I, here? Are we serious? Are we serious people? I'm a fan of grip it and rip it, man. They, I, I really would have appreciated them putting, you know, our buddy Garrett out there uh, today. He was you know, obviously doing the background work with the the transcribed interview, which is essentially a deposition. But 
I, I think he has a story to tell that would have actually brought forth some great information and then also had the emotional component. Um, and if they had done a little bit more preparation and, and maybe this is a staffing issue on this committee and maybe they need to beef up the staff uh, because certainly they should have talked to him before today and gotten the lowdown and, and it would have been very apparent to them that he would have been first witness right out of the box. We're going to grab this thing by the throat, but uh, I don't think they did that. No failure, big time failure. All right. Um, not to get you in hot water with your new employer, you're welcome. Just put your hands over your face and say disavow, disavow. This is uh, Kyle Serafin's take. Uh, Phil, will you bring up my uh, tweet that I just put out there, which is getting slow, slow traction, but uh, 1,200 views right now in the last half hour or so? Okay, this is a 60-second clip put together by a friend of mine named Ryan Matta. Ryan's a really good guy. I went on his podcast. He's uh, extremely complimentary of me, so it makes it easy to talk to him. But um, on top of that, he's actually a pretty talented uh, media producer of uh, shorts and things like that. So we put together this one-minute clip with a couple of surprise pieces. So this is uh, what the suspendables refer to as FBI Barbie uh, giving her opening statement and inexplicably breaking into tears while talking about cases that were not her case. And ready to go. Participating in the investigations of myriad criminal cases. The Marjorie Stoneman Douglas high school shooting in Parkland, Florida. The 2017 Fort Lauderdale airport shooting. The Caesar Syok pipe bomb case. That's a Multi-million dollar Ponzi schemes, crimes on the high seas, bank robberies, murders for hire, sexual assaults, extortions, and more. Yes, tears. it was physically taxing and emotionally jarring, but I believed I was making an impactful difference. And every day I woke up and I embraced being an FBI special agent until things changed. Over the course of my 12 plus years, the FBI's trajectory has transformed. On Bureau, the, papers, the Bureau's mission it remained the same, but its priorities and governing principles shifted dramatically. <laughs> the FBI became politically weaponized, starting from the top in Washington and trickling down to the field offices. That's the story. Um, that's who they chose as one of their first few witnesses, given all the opportunities and all the people that were out there. I'm going to read a quick exchange real quick because uh, why not? By the way, I just got a text from uh, Bongino about that. And his statement was, it's really weird. She just starts crying. Correct. My friend, Dan, that is exactly right. Uh, Dan, let me on his radio show today. I felt like I was on fire. Sometimes you have it. Sometimes you don't. When the spirit moves you and the Holy Spirit is uh, is welled up inside of you because of righteous anger, which we'll get into with this uh, Catholic church piece. But that was kind of where I was sitting today. Here's here's what I sent to a friend of mine in Miami. You tell me if your source is confirmed. You ready, Steve? Go for it. Hey, bro. What's up with crying Miami Barbie? She's nuts, bro. Psycho. Mormon. My question. Does she ever just show up at scenes she's not part of? I was told she's something of a media hog. Yeah. Always interjects herself into tragedy and magically has her hair done in makeup on scene. Positions herself for the news to get a good shot of her with the raid jacket on. Um, how many times have you worn the FBI raid jacket? Since Quantico? Yes. After Quantico. Uh, zero. Okay, yeah, me too. So um, what do your sources say? Uh, well, we didn't get into her uh, her LDS ideologies or-, or Yeah, I don't know what that, that doesn't I make I don't a difference know what that means, but um, uh, my sources actually echoed, it sounded like a carbon copy of what I heard, uh, which I don't know, maybe we have the same source. Uh, I don't think so. No, I know maybe we Maybe we'll don't. go offline on that, but uh, yeah, I heard the exact same account. So 
Um, I don't know. My source, my source is an attorney and worked nearby. Yeah, I guarantee it's not the same source. Yeah, I, I don't know her. Um, never crossed paths with her, but I know that I showed that video to my wife. And like I told you earlier, uh, females have 10x the rage of men when they see other females crying and they think that it's not real. And I, I think I actually had to like calm her down because she had to drive my kids to school. Yes. Yeah, it's wild. Um, it's and I don't care about the religion part. I don't know why my buddy thought that was relevant, but uh, you know, it's a thing that she's talked about and then teared up about as well. Um, one of my best friends in the in the bureau is a Mormon guy, and uh, you know, he's an animal. <laughs> he's like a complete. He's a complete animal. If he was a psycho, it'd be in a good way. And he loves America, and he's gone to war for America. So I have no interest in like you know adjudicating her faith, other than like she no. did it on Fox News, and she actually teared up when she talked about it on Fox News as well. It's the same. Like, just like, what is that? What What are you doing? It makes my skin crawl. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't understand ever crying in a congressional testimony, especially like a prepared statement. It's something that you should probably rehearse and, and have down pat. I mean, obviously we're not, nobody's perfect. You're going to stumble over your words here or there, but if you prepare a statement and you know, you're going to, it's going to make you cry. You should probably amend the statement ahead of time. If you want to be taken seriously as, as a witness, if it's not just yeah. a emotional play, um, so I, you know, if, I, if if you have to just get down to the the tactical portion of it, like it just comes across as as rather weak. Yes, uh, and also not representative of FBI agents, not not the women that I have any respect for. And um, but let me throw something out there, Quantico story, fun times. Um, when I was at the academy, I apparently wasn't very nice. I don't have a lot of tolerance for BS and I don't much care for weakness. And I actually thought I was going to do something that was hard. And we found out that that was not the case. She referred to the Quantico experience in her opening statement as an arduous five months. It was seriously the fattest five months of my entire life. I slept over nine hours every night, every night. Um, I never once sweated any single thing that happened ever. The most fun time I had was when everybody was crying because we all got tear gassed or what, what do they do? Uh, the, the, what are they called? OC, the OC, OC spray. Yeah. So I got pepper sprayed. Everybody got pepper sprayed. It's not a big deal. You're supposed to open your eyes. Then they pepper spray the hell out of you right in the face. Uh, no, I think you close your eyes and then you open your eyes and it doesn't matter. It still sucks. And then, um, and then uh, you have to fight a punching bag and then you have to fight another punching bag and then you have to like handcuff something and then you have to retain your gun or like whatever. I don't know. You like hold your eyes open and and they just like walk you through it like a babysitter and they're like, it's fine. Like you're going to get died. Throw those punches, throw those punches, whatever. Like I don't mind. Uh, like I wouldn't want to be tear sprayed again. It wasn't that much fun, but I'd rather be uh, um, I'd rather be pepper sprayed than OC, not OC. Uh, what do you call it? CS gas. CS gas crushes me. I've got pretty good lung uptake. When I did it in the military, in the chamber, man, like every single orifice, like I think it's not coming out of my ears. Like I was heaving, you know, out of my eyes, out of my nose, out of my mouth, like all the sludge symptoms is what they call it. Um, they're all like neurological reactions. It is awful. It's incapacitating to me. Like I could fight you with my eyes kind of swollen shut. That's, I mean, it didn't feel good, but, and then I went and I hosed myself off and they gave me a towel and they're like, are you good? And I was like, yeah, what can I do to help people? Everyone seems to be crying and upset. They were all mm -hmm. upset. Everybody was upset. I just walked around and handed out towels like a freaking pool boy. And I, and I smiled happily because it's like everybody's miserable. That's my favorite time. My favorite time is the suffering time um, because I was like a regular dude in the, who was enlisted in the military. Like I signed up to do hard things and, uh, and, and go do them and not cry about it. So it's totally bizarre to me. But uh, arduous five months she went through. 
And um, apparently when I left the academy, I was not nice. I just, I was exactly like this, actually. I just told people what I thought. I always did. Same way that I've, I've ribbed you about things. The same way that we have to go back and forth about, you know, if you do something dumb, you just get called dumb. It's all right. I'm sure like it's what we heard uh, Chris Gonzalez talk about on SWAT. You know, if you're the dumbest guy, then everybody says that was not the smartest thing. You're the world's least okayest guy on that particular tactic. That's what I want to hear. Like, just say it. And uh, after doing all that, uh, I was informed when I got to the Washington field office that I had made members of my class cry somewhat frequently. And I was like, there's not that many women. And the girl that told me this, who's a sweetheart, she said, well, it wasn't just women. So that, you know, that's the FBI right there for you. Arduous five months. Like, I guess if you were a former cyber guy, then it would make sense that uh, the hardest thing you've ever done was like hit a punching bag. But uh, yeah, that's what we're at. You're like yeah. jumping at the bit. Just go. Just just cut me off, man. So, I mean, I, all I can think about, for, first of all, is the uh, the trailer for the, the show Quantico, which dropped while I was at Quantico and they were very excited about it. And, and yes. the, the trailer talked about how it was the combination of the world's hardest law school and and special forces training. And uh, it and- did say that. <laughs> they said the and toughest they- boot camp and the, and the most like rigorous grad school. Correct. And the the FBI, when I was there, the Quantico, they were still patting themselves on the back, hurting their arms, patting themselves on the back about the Silence of the Lambs. So this was going to be like the new thing. Which is a great so- movie. Can we just, just say that the like, Silence of the Lambs is an awesome movie. It has yes. nothing to do with reality. It's nothing like being in the FBI. There's no trainees getting pulled out because they have any value to anyone. Like trainees at the FBI basically don't know anything about the FBI, which is fine. Like that's the expectation. They're there to train. But Dude, it's a great movie. And and I think that they were just excited to have that chance to like have something new and fresh and that that wound up being like Grey's Anatomy just with FBI badges. Um, yeah, that's exa- that's a great <laughs> analogy. That's it is. It's Grey's analogy or Grey's Anatomy and what and like maybe the uh what's the bite bite hump hump show that's with vampires? Vampires. I don't know. All oh. the vampire shows are like that. Every time yeah, my wife watches a vampire show, I always make fun of her. I'm like, are you watching a biting and humping show again? And she was like, you don't understand. I just true blood. Re- true blood. Yes. It's a tr- it's like true blood. Just, I never saw it. I just came in and saw like the sexual scenes. And I was like, what are we, what's happening in my house here? This is before my wife converted to Catholicism. I don't think she would watch it anymore. She stays away from things she thinks are now sacrilegious, which is really funny when you had somebody in your life who never understood anything about that. She's like, she's like, this is uh I think this is sacrilegious. I don't think we can watch a show that has rainbows in it. And it's like, no, 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 no. We can watch rainbow shows. That's fine. Is My little pony is gonna, fine. Uh, is she going to yell at you from the other room if she overhears that you have like the passion on because it's too violent? No, my wife doesn't care about violence. <laughs> okay. She's married to me. Like, like we're pro-violence, <laughs> I think. But this this segues nicely into uh, the piece that I've been, you know, this is something I've been working on like all weekend long. And then it obviously spent this whole week getting out into the public. We'll talk about hitting the thermal uh the thermal exhaust port um i had a whistleblower come to me anybody who saw it well you know what screw it just play the uh play the the clip there from tucker that's and then we'll start what do you think phil leave leave it to the pro here we go yeah to the public and we're grateful that he did kyle thank you so much for joining us tonight this it's hard to believe this is even real this is one of those what was your reaction when you saw this well my reaction is predictable i mean i'm a catholic number one and uh i think it's appalling It's one of those things that uh, when the government has gotten to the point where you talked about our Second Amendment rights and those defend our First Amendment rights to practice our religion, particularly the way that we want to, 
Um, I'm friends with people who love the Latin mass. I, I grew up in a, a traditional school where I actually learned Latin in fifth and sixth grade and all the way through high school. And um, it doesn't seem reasonable, but it is the state of the FBI at this point that they are so desperate to find white supremacists that they're going to look at the Catholic Church. But I think if we're realistic about it, what they're doing is they have found a gateway in what they think is fringe Catholicism in order to, um, to move into Christians in general and, and declare them to be the actual uh, the criminals in this country or the potential terrorists. And, and that's what I think we're seeing. Because this, the whole document basically is written from the, pers the perspective of somebody who thinks that there are significant abortion rights that need to be defended and also an LG, uh, LGBTQ agenda that has to be pushed uh, down the American people's throats. And those are antithetical to Catholicism. So it's, it's pretty easy. It's an open door into Christians in this country, which is pretty much all the country. Well, yeah, and also Orthodox Judaism and Islam and Mormonism. I mean, they're right. And I, did no one in the FBI say, whoa, whoa, wait a second. It's not our job to decide which is a better religion and criminalize people's religious belief. Did anyone in your world within the bureau say that? Well, obviously, the whistleblower who brought it to me. Uh, so I'm in contact with a number of people who work in the FBI and have the same yeah. values that probably you and I do. And so, you know, they they brought it to me. One of them brought it to me and said, this is a problem. And this person is not a Catholic. Uh, yeah. But he or she stated the very simple statement, which is that if they're going to go after radical traditional Catholics, then uh, radical traditional Baptists are next and radical traditional evangelicals and, and anybody else that uh, espouses essentially what, what is radical, which is just a, a Christian faith. And that is well, exactly. uh, dangerous, apparently, in this country. Well, I'm not Catholic either. Uh, I'd be defending the Scientologists or anybody else. Like, you, you can't do this. Yeah. So I appreciate uh, you bringing this to, to the public. Kyle Serfman, thank you. Thanks, Tucker. Nice job. Okay, so I got invited on Tucker to talk about a document that was given to me by a whistleblower. I think the explanation there is pretty straightforward. It's somebody in one of the other field offices who's noticed it. And uh, someone in the Richmond field office penned this. It was an intelligence analyst writing what's called a finished intelligence product. Um, did you ever deal with uh, Intel products coming your way, Steve? Or domain awareness type stuff like that? Yeah, but they were never really pertinent to stuff I was working on. So it wasn't anything that I was going to so give a lot of reading to. That's fair. So, you know, it's it's a mixed bag whether this thing had large reception. I imagine it did not, but it definitely came across the desk of somebody in a totally different region of the country who saw it and thought there was a problem, brought it to my attention, which is what we do. This is what the suspendables are about. Not all the suspendables are public people. Some of them are still in the bureau. Um, I know security division likes to watch our thing. You can't find the suspendables, you clowns. They're out there and they're all over and they're growing because of what you guys are doing. So, uh, I've started getting phone calls after I, I release. So first of all, I write a piece. I get it. Uh, I start shopping it around to see if somebody wants to write it. I asked the New York Post. They were um, not uh, in contact. I reached out to Daily Wire. They said, we can't deputize you as a reporter. I said, that's foolish. Um, they ended up writing their own piece on it with uh, our friend, Brandon Dre, who who did a good piece on uh, Chris Ray's jet use. So that was all good. And, um, you know, end of the day, our buddy, Tracy Beans, and I say that very clearly, like Tracy Beans is a friend to the Suspendables because she's been promoting the podcast. Many of you are actually watching this podcast or listening to it because of the work of UncoverDC.com. Um, Tracy should de deserve a lot of credit for what she's done in helping stand with us, just recognizing that the source of the material is inherently obviously true because I'm bringing it to them and I'm putting my professional reputation on the line every single time that I put something out there. So, you know, my credibility as a human being in the public sphere, which I never asked to do this stuff, I never want to do this stuff, is on the line every time we do this. And I'm not standing behind a document that I don't have the utmost faith in. The best part is, you saw the retraction or no? 
Yes, I saw this. Have you ever seen an FBI um, office like acknowledge that there's an ongoing investigation here? Or that no. there's a that there's an that this is our product and we're gonna do something about it because it's screwed up. No, because it's just the atomic bomb of we can't comment on an ongoing investigation or, or we can't reveal any sources or methods. So they've essentially revealed that the Southern Poverty Law Center is a source. That's right. That is a hell of a statement. So th- for folks who have not gone to this, first of all, I very much encourage you go and follow uh, uncoversdc.com. Go ahead and just like pin their page. They're doing great reporting on a regular basis. It's the, actually, the reason that I got in touch with Tracy and the reason that you and I have um, contact with her is because one of their reporters, Wendy Mahoney, wrote an awesome um like amalgamation of all the things that you and I had said publicly sometime in late September. And it was all the reporting that came out of Miranda Devine's information. It was a combination of what Jim Jordan had reported publicly about whistleblowers and then my interview with Bongino and so on. And so all the stuff that we had put forward got put into this one straightforward document by Wendy Mahoney. And uh, and I reached out to Wendy recently, actually. I just told her, thank you. And um, she may have us come and help them with something as well. So, you know, it's a symbiotic relationship in that we all care about this country. We all care about what the, uh, the original, you know... Um, values in America were that we, that we grew up with. She's a mom. I think she's a grandmom actually. Um, just, I think moms win the day in this country in many ways. If they're not yeah. doing mom stuff, then they're not doing what they're designed to do. And, and then our country falters because of it. But anyway, we got in touch with Tracy because Tracy had that piece. I reached out, I saw her on true social and I was like, Hey, we should get in touch. She said, I would love to talk to you. We had about a two hour phone call, like right off the bat, never spoken before. No dead air. As you know, when you talk with Tracy, She's a very fast thinker. Yes. And and just tremendously accessible. Like if she's really busy and she and she's covering the, you know, she's covering the the Hobbs uh Carrie Lake issue, or she's covering the Missouri v. Biden issue, and she's she'll be like in down in the weeds and let's say she's busy for a couple hours. She's very apologetic, like, oh, I'm so sorry, I was so busy. And I'm like, Tracy, you're running a business. I don't expect you to be at my beck and call. But yeah, and, and neither of us have then, a freaking job. So <laughs> no, exactly. I'm you know, I could just be staring at this phone for all you care. Um, yeah, that's it. Just waiting for someone to text me back. <laughs> she, I mean, and she will not come off it, man. She just every time she has an opportunity to either write or speak publicly, she's always dropping the suspendables. Kyle Serafin or Steve Friend, and um, she's just been a tremendous ally. And I'm trying to actually re- uh, return, you know, favor and kind because in my work, I'm saying to them they need to bring Uncover DC to the church committee when they're doing any sort of consultation because of the information that they yeah. brought forward. Um, so I'm hoping that uh, maybe at the very least we'll get uh, a Kyle Serafin article on Uncover DC read into the congressional record. So you'll have that. That would be that would be solid. Um, so okay, so let's talk about the exhaust port. First of all, what's the significance of the the exhaust port? Because this got dropped on me this morning, and I started laughing. But not everybody's <laughs> going to have that terminology. Not everybody grew up as a nerd a little bit. I'm not a total nerd, but I, I believe that it was Star Wars Episode Four where they shot the the photon. He just said photon. Okay. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> you don't get to say I'm not a total nerd and then say it was Episode Four. Just well, I was a total nerd and, and, as a seventh grader. So just hearkening back uh, to that, they shot the they shot the torpedoes into the uh, the Death Star. So and you, yes. you know what the Death Star is. I so know that's the Death how Star they blew it's the Hoover it Building. That's right. And uh, and I mean, we've been hacking away with one thing after another where we keep thinking like, I got it. I got them. I got them. And it gets a little traction and then nothing. And then we just wind up you know, having to play phone tag with congressional staff members. But I'll tell you what, they messed up here because um, yes. this seems to be um, one that has galvanized. And, and you can't blame it. It's, it's a quarter of the country is Catholic. 
Right. Or damn near it. Um, yeah. This has gotten traction in a way that none of the other things that we've done, like, you know, we've had, I've had documents that have been in front of Ted Cruz that he's like thrown in Chris Ray's face and it, it you know, it made a great soundbite, but essentially it didn't go anywhere. But, uh, yeah. and, and maybe Phil will pull that one up too. If you want to pull up the, uh, the boot thing. The boot. Yeah. Which is some of my best of, here's the thing. Um, I'm one guy who's five foot eight and weighs 185 pounds with like a pocket knife trying to fight a Godzilla that is stomping on American civil liberties. And um, if anybody, you know, wants to quote me on that one and put it on like NS MSNBC, that'd be great because that's exactly what I'm doing. We're fighting a monster that's doing evil things to the American people. And I've got essentially like the smallest possible knife. It's a, it's a Swiss army Victorian ox, you know, classic boy scout model. And I'm just doing two inch blade cuts to the ankle because that's all I can reach because it's a monster and I'm going to make it bleed out. Like we're going to make this thing bleed all the time until we're done. Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, you know, made a comment on it. I saw Ronnie Jackson put a piece out on it. Ian Miles Chung, who I've talked to on Spaces a bunch, and I feel very comfortable, you know, calling an acquaintance at this point. Um, you know, Ian wrote his own article about it and posted it to his thing on Rebel News. So everybody has grabbed it. National Review has grabbed it. And the reason why it was so successful, and this is what we're going to do from here on out. This is this is my, my, my game plan. And it was the first way to do my own release. I've had other people release documents before, but I wrote an article. And I provided the source documents and everybody else can find out whatever they want. And they don't even need to call me for a quote because my quote's already in the article. Just quote me right out of my article if you want to ask what I think about it. If you don't care what I think, I don't care. It's not about me. That's the whole point. It's never about me and this stuff. It's just the fact that they picked us as enemies and now they're going to have to deal with the consequences of it because the, the issues that are at stake here, religious freedom is our first amendment. It's literally the reason why people came to this rock. It's why people left Europe. They came here to celebrate their their religion freely. So that is the thermal exhaust port. And if you're attacking Catholics, I mean, as the uh, the individual who disclosed it to me said, and as I mentioned on Tucker, what's the next step? The next step is anybody that's a traditional anything. It doesn't matter if you're a traditional Baptist or a Lutheran or a um, an Episcopal. I think probably the Methodists are excluded from this from everything I can tell based on the BLM stuff outside of their church. They're probably on uh, good graces with the uh, the leftists, but it's it's um it's not a Christian position to say abortion is a good thing. There is no abortion rights in the, in the Christian faith in any denomination of it. So, no, and I'm sure, I I, and you're not a Catholic as, as, as we no, mentioned uh, in our not. private conversations. I'm not. Uh, I think though, if I just had to, to theorize, I think that whoever authored this and it was authored and approved and ran up the chain, uh, they essentially went and tried to find a couple of things that are, um, uh, the current administration finds to be problematic. So they said pro-life, pro-traditional marriage, pro-border security. Um, we need to have a predicate though to open an investigation. So we need to have an organization. So they just kind of pulled up any organizations that had those in their platform or whoever, you know, in their ideology. And they just decided on the Catholic church in America and decided that they could label it and make it sound really nefarious, make it radical. Uh, traditional Catholic. And, yeah, it uh, sounds like a thing that you'd be concerned about. RTC sounds like a thing. Well, we don't know any RTCs. Like, screw them. Here's the thing. I think a lot of people know some RTCs. I've had FBI agents that I've never spoken to call me in the last two days and mm -hmm. tell me, um, I am having a serious problem with this. 
they said, can you tell me the name of the Intel analyst that wrote this piece? Cause I'm going to call and give them a piece of my mind. And I said, I, mm. it was actually redacted before it got to me, uh, as is appropriate. I'm not trying to out names. I'm trying to out policy. This isn't, unless you're a person who shows up at somebody's door, you're writing, uh, you know, crazy papers for a living. And that's what Intel analysts do. So be it. So, you know, I've had these, these agents say, don't worry about it. I'll find it. And I'm going to look them up and I'm going to find that SIA and I'm going to have a word with all of them because this particular person who was talking to me said, not only do I uh, prefer the Latin mass, but I actually used to attend mass at one of the places in Richmond when I was going to Quantico. I used to drive an hour south down I-95 to go to mass at one of these places because that's the way I'm trying to raise my children. And my kids all have rosary beads that are combat beads you know, that are that are for spiritual warfare in the same way that that Atlantic piece was making fun of. So they've hit a vein of people. I mean, I've had a number of people that work at think tanks tell me that the FBI is the most Catholic organization in the federal government. And I think that may be true. I don't know that I've ever met so many Catholics in any, um, you know, government agency. It's almost it's almost all of them that I kept running into. I mean, it's obviously not, but it's it's probably 25 or 30%. It's a crazy high number. I mean, my roommate when I was in, uh, at Quantico was Catholic. Um, just a strong, strong number of people. And there's a lot of AUSAs that are as well. It turns out like Catholics kind of love this country and want it to be good. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it's, and like you said before, it, it's not necessarily a, just a direct target over Catholics. It's, you know, this is going to go to the next thing and the next thing. But I think this is going to galvanize enough people uh, to use this issue as the proxy issue to get into the larger issue, which is the intelligence gathering uh, that the FBI is now doing on yeah. all of Americans. And right. finally Look, highlight these, these are not to open. These are not to open criminal cases. Everyone needs to understand this. Like when we talk about the two types of cases, there are criminal cases and then there are um, there's intelligence cases. And I've said it before, but I'm going to keep pounding on this drum so people get it. When we say that the FBI is an intelligence agency that has a law enforcement capacity, that's what we mean. Um, you know, Steve spent all of his time working criminal cases. This was all foreign to him until he and I started like putting notes together. I started kind of open some of this stuff up. He knew it existed. Don't get me wrong. It's not that he didn't know it was out there. It's just it wasn't part of your world, right? I mean, you weren't dealing with intel no. people in any meaningful I didn't, way. I didn't know about the intelligence people being like associated with ODNI, which is an all another thing that we should probably talk about with this this intel report that got scrubbed. Well, did they scrub it from ODNI? Because right, or is it, it still is it still sitting out there? I'm going to read a couple of little things out here because um, I hope you guys don't mind. But when I talk about um, intelligence cases versus criminal cases, what shape would you assign to a criminal case from linear. start to finish? It's linear. Linear. And it starts at what? Uh, the incident occurs. Okay. Allegation or information that a federal yes. crime has, has occurred. Yes. Okay. And then goes where? It gets reported to us. And then what do we do? We begin we initiate a preliminary investigation it, it is in my case and you know we have to do all investigative steps that are you know required it, it's you know you got to go gather evidence you got to go do interviews you got to issue subpoenas uh, eventually you work your way to a criminal indictment of a subject uh, arrest that person and then either they plead guilty or they go to trial have their day in court and they could be acquitted or convicted if they're convicted then they are sentenced and they go to prison that's pretty much it and then we're yeah. done unless there's an appeal. And then we go back and just tell them the same thing we did before. And the file is always the same. But it's a it's a linear path um, from the time that the crime occurs until we get to either an indictment or a de declination, because that happens too. Yes. Occasionally, a, a USA, an assistant US attorney, which is the federal prosecutor, will say, not interested. Thanks so much for bringing this to my attention. I don't care if Border Patrol guys get beat up. 
I'm not going to do these cases. And then that happens. By the way, that just happened this week as well. We had a Border Patrol agent who was dragged by the arm, stuck in the car of an illegal um, for 400 yards, just trashed as a human being. And he got out alive and he's still he's recovering in the hospital still and he's, he's getting better. And a former Border Patrol agent who we met on the Twitter spaces, this is the magic of what Elon Musk has done. We met this guy on and they, um, you know, the, the AUSAs couldn't bring a case because the FBI didn't want to investigate it. Couldn't be bothered for what we call an AFO. Did you ever do AFOs? No, I've never had to do it. I know what they are. Okay. So I'm AFO is a better a, officer. Exactly. So it's a bread and butter case for the FBI. It's a transactional. It's an open and shut case. It's uh, this person beat up a cop that is, uh, you know, a fed. So that fed is going to be border patrol. It's going to be one of us. Some of the other agencies do their own AFOs, but the FBI for some reason does uh, border patrol and CBP. And if that were to happen, we just go out there and gather the information. We get the statement. We get the video camera. If they have body cam, if whatever it may be, all that stuff, uh, any recorders, any uh, you know footage that they would have from the Border Patrol checkpoint. A lot of times they've got great cameras everywhere. And then you round that up and then it's game on. That's the end of it. Uh, we bring it to the United States attorney. They indict, which means they take it to a grand jury. The grand jury uh, hears the attorney ask you questions. You sit in a little a chair and you just say the things that come out of the case file, right? How many, yeah. how many indictments have you done? 100, 200? Oh, two, 200. Yeah, I, I mean, like 150, let's say. All right. Well, I would say that's very high for an FBI agent in their career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I-, I Phil's I making the face like he's making the surprise face. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of had a standing thing of, I wanted to be a grand jury every month. So where I was, the grand jury met for one week of the month. It wasn't Washington, D.C. where it's meeting you know, constantly. But, right. Uh, one week of the month. And I said, every month I need to be going there with one subject because that would mean that I was getting 12 people a year. And our office, our entire office's goal was to get 10 arrests a year. Okay. So, and you were trying to get all 12 of them. Yeah. So uh, my grand jury experience is, I think it's only three or four times that I've won, I've gone in front. It's not very common. Uh, when I was working CI, that wasn't a thing. When I was working um, on a surveillance team, it wasn't even part of my life. Somebody else would have gone and done indictments on the subjects we watched. But when I got to do a few months of criminal work in, in Las Cruces before the uh, vaccine mandate came out, um, four times in front of a grand jury, I think tops uh, 100% indictment. Did you ever have a, a, a no bill return? No, no. I all mean, true bills, a ham right? Sandwich, yes. Yeah. So all true bills. So people need to understand that's not an adversarial process. It's just the prosecutor saying, like, is there enough for us to go to trial with this? And then, uh, and I think you had a pretty good conviction record as well, or a plea out. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, Indian country tends to have a, a pretty high trial uh, rate, rate, but even with that, I think in seven years, I, th I think I probably had six or seven trials for like one a year, uh, okay. which is probably seven x what the average FBI agent has. For sure. Yeah, for sure. It's not common. Uh, it's not like uh, be cops. It's not like detectives in a big city that are doing this stuff all day out as a, as a transactional thing. People either most people plea out. I think they say like 90 plus percent of the people in the federal system will plea. And uh, and so they're incentivized to do so, which is why probably a lot of AUSAs these days don't go to trial enough then, for them did, to feel good about it. Amy told you it's like 98.2 percent plea. It might be 98.2. Yeah, yeah, I know it's over 90, but it's it's a huge yeah. number of people do not uh, contest federal charges because no. the, the statute and the statutory minimums for a lot of these crimes are really scary. And yes. um, and so, and I, you know, people, they run you away. You have to them. do mandatory 85% too. So, so that's a different thing. You know, most people think, oh, I'm going to go do, um, I got 10 years, I'll do, you know, four years in club fed and then I'll be out or I'll be, you know, 24 months and then I'm out. And that's not the game that you do when you're dealing with federal prisons. So- yeah, so all those things are true. 
Um, all of that to say, what the heck were we even talking about? How did I even start talking about all this? Where did we come sideways on? We're talking about indictments. Intel. Intel. We're talking about Intel. Okay, linear. So, yeah. So it's a straight linear path. Thank you so much. You brought me back to my to my mindset. When you're talking about these criminal cases, we're talking about a linear path. Something happens and the result is prison or go home. And when we talk about intelligence cases, that's not what we're dealing with. We're not talking about a legal process. We're talking about an investigative process that can continue forever. And I mean that, that there's literally no need for it to end ever. So the allegation or information comes across that uh, that constitutes predication for an intelligence uh, case, whether it be counterterrorism or counterintelligence. And then based on the guidelines in the dialog, some of which are literally like, you're a person and you met this other person, that's enough and we can run it. Um, then we open up this case, full investigation, which unlocks all the tools of the national security side, including national security letters, which are the the um, secret versions of a subpoena. We go out and we request information from banks and from uh, tech companies and from your cell phone provider and from your utility company if we want. We can do all the fun things like that. We can get you know video. We can get toll records. We can get uh, exchanges that you have in all your circles. And then we can always do the uh, the open source research, OSINT, as we call it, which is uh, all your social media and everything you've put out there in public. And once that happens, it's like, okay, well, now we got information. We just keep going around in a circle. We get more information. Well, that gives us reasons to go for more information. My favorite, by the way, was always a trash pull. Did you ever do any trash pulls? Oh, no. Uh, I was fortunate. I've done a bunch of trash pulls. I, I love doing <laughs> trash pulls. They're my favorite. So people don't understand what this is. Please um, tell me you didn't get the dirty diaper. No, I never had a diaper. I don't think okay. I've had gross. I mean, I've had horribly gross stuff. But what we do is we usually, um, you you prepare your trunk for the trash pole, or you prepare the back of your minivan even better. And I would line it with uh, trash bags with like with like uh, plastic. I would go Dexter on my on my. Like De- I was say just like Dexter serial okay. killer. <laughs> I would de- I would black out all of the um, of the lights in my vehicle with like a heavy duty gorilla tape so that there was no ambient light spill, and we would hang out there and wait. And I would wait on the street until usually we tried to like find out when the trash company would come right because you don't want to be the guy who like clears them out in the middle of the night yeah and then in the morning well in the morning and then you find out like oh like they went to go add something to their trash can all their neighbors have full trash and they don't have any trash (laughs) but we'd pull like trash at three four in the morning sometimes i bring it back depending on how rowdy i was uh because you could do that too there's no one that says you can't and we would drive to like a mall parking lot and just cut it open see what's in there bag it back up, toss that stuff back in. If you could see what kind of bag of trash they use, if people usually use the same color from a roll, so black or white or, or clear are the three options. Uh, you can get all of them and be ready to rebag the trash and toss it back out. Uh, you can get real sneaky. When you're doing national security stuff, you want to do it that way. You want to be yeah. smart about it. So, so I, what you're telling me is that all my worries about a trash pool at my house are going to be negated by the fact that my trash men come around like one in the afternoon. <laughs> Yeah, it makes it harder. But then all you do is you just tell the, the trash guys like, hey, um, we want to pull trash from this thing. Can you put it to the side? And um, or can I suit up and ride with you? And then I'll okay. grab it and I'll put it to where I want it and then we'll drive off. So there's a lot of tricks around that kind of stuff. But okay. trash pulls are fun because it's real like Sherlock Holmesy kind of stuff. Like you take all the letters and envelopes and all the torn up documents that are all shredded and try to put them all together and tape them. And it, it can be very fun. Um, but for criminal work, that's great. And for national security stuff, when you're doing infringements on people's civil liberties, it's probably a little bit less cool, but uh, it is a, it is a neat tool to be able to use. And it's, and you know, whatever you throw in your trash, you don't want. So 
Get a shredder, people. If you're not getting a shredder, you're foolish. So these these uh, intelligence investigations can be predicated based on very, very little. And one of the things that can help them, they can't help Steve move his camera, but they can help uh, the uh, they can help the intelligence investigation become predicated is being able to refer to an intelligence product like this one that we saw um, with the radical tra- traditionalist Catholics. It's so hard for me to say ra- radical. I keep wanting to say transitional. Say rad trads. Yeah, rad trad Catholics, which is what they they claim to be. Um, I had John Solomon from Just the News reach out to me and ask me some questions. This is the weird world we live in, but uh, John is a really good guy from what I can tell. And we we uh, have had a couple of really nice conversations. He asked me for a comment on one of their pieces. Their piece uh, at, at Just the News, who also obviously wrote another piece about uh, this uh, information, it's called FBI Suffers Fresh Bias Episode, Retracts Intel Memo Portraying Catholics as uh, I think white supremacist, but I don't see the end of it here. The long important thing is he said, you know, can you give me a comment on why this this document is so relevant? And I said, absolutely. So here's what I wrote. And I'm just going to quote myself because I think it's straight on. I said, there are two important takeaways from this document's exposure and both should upset the average American. One, the FBI has some field offices operating outside the boundaries of the quote unquote exacting standards of the First Amendment and FBI policy, which should govern them. And two, the only way this overreach was flagged was my whistleblower group's visibility to this particular document. The FBI didn't apologize or say that it, what kind of discipline would befall the offending analyst, the supervisor, and the attorney who approved this publication. They are simply embarrassed that they got caught and they tried to mitigate this PR nightmare of flagging a mainstream religion with 70 million adherents in the United States. All whistleblowers should be reinstated on admin leave status and given back pay for this event alone. And the FBI should be considered a complete and total teardown project because the guardrails to restrict the infringement of protections under the Bill of Rights are broken or non-existent. And I stand by every single thing in there. I think all that should be done. The fact that we have people out there that were disclosing this shows the value. Like if that doesn't show the value to the American people of what people like you and I have lost our paycheck over and our buddy Garrett, then then nothing does, right? It's uh, It's really straightforward. The, the whole point of the whistleblower protection statutes is that people are supposed to be able to throw the BS flag when something like this happens. And it didn't happen. The only person even, that threw it went to me. Even if it didn't, even if it didn't happen, if you have a legitimate belief that it did, you're still entitled to those protections. That's the whole point of the statute. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No. Will you elaborate on that just a second? Yeah. I mean, so you can make a protected disclosure if you have a true belief that something bad is going on. So, you know, let's say that, you know, I, I work in the cube next to Kyle Serafin, and uh, I believe that he is committing uh, civil rights atrocities. I'm going to blow the whistle on him. And then the, they should say, OK, Steve, that's fine. And they investigate it and realize that Kyle Serafin is just uh, going about his day and finding missing computers for the division. And uh, they come back to me and they, they can't punish me for that as long as I had a legitimate belief that that was going on. Right. It doesn't have to be adjudicated that what you found out was true. It just means that you had to believe it and it had to be reasonable enough in the assumption. Um, I pulled up some people probably follow Coffee and COVID, which is a Substack blog that um, a uh, attorney and uh, I can't think of his name, but stand by. And I'll probably read it to you. Uh, Jeff Childers. So he he writes this blog. It's been quoted a couple of times. I actually retweeted it, but there's something kind of fun in here. And one of the things that I thought was actually really funny, he says, um, he says, on Wednesday, a brave and conscientious former FBI agent turned whistleblower named Kyle Serafin. Blah, blah, uh, gave his prof- gave up his professional career to go public, leaked an FBI internal anti-Catholic memo. He's calling it a memo. We know it's an intelligence product, which means a lot more than a memo uh, to conservative media. 
Uh, and then yesterday, the FBI issued its own statement denouncing its own memo, saying that it had been issued by mistake and it promised, don't worry, uh, they're going to make a thorough investigation into how that could have possibly happened and root out any biased FBI agents targeting religious freedoms. So uh, a couple things he said that are really funny. Number one, he said, I'll bet you a fancy steak dinner. The investigation being ends up being into how Kyle Serafin got a hold of this report. <laughs> 100%. Like there's like, right? What are the odds that anybody is going to actually look into this Intel analyst who's done wrong? And, and yeah. rather, they'll be looking for like one of our friends. This is going to be at worst a lowest learner IRS scandal where it was just a, a one rogue individual, you know, in some offsite that that did this. And uh, clearly, we're going to move on. Yes, no reason for that. So here's uh, here's the actual document the FBI uh, in their quote. They stated this as they like they responded to a bunch of media. So this obviously hit the main vein. Like I said, you you st- you're slashing at everything at the ankles, but every once in a while you catch a bleeder, and this is a bleeder for the bureau. And it should be, but like all the other things are too. It's also given us a great opportunity to expose some of the other stuff. Like if people are not pissed off that a a Betsy Ross flag, which I should actually have behind me instead, uh, a Betsy Ross flag or a Gadsden flag or the 1835 Gonzalez battle flag with the, um, you know, with the cannon on it says, come and take it. Uh, By the way, like there's nothing more American than the Texas sentiment that if you want our cannon, you have to come and get it from us. And we're going to be shooting it at you before you get there. That's such an American thought. Like it really is come and take it. There's a reason. I just, I just had this thought. Uh, curious about what, what do you think of it? Do you think that it, that the fact that this particular intel report is so egregious is why the FBI is responding, or do you think that the timing of you dropping this in the exact week that the the new select committee is convening has got them more panicked? It's all of the above. Yeah. Right. It's, it's all about it's like, so it's serendipitous. Look, this happened exactly at the time we needed it to happen, and it had exactly the information we needed to have to galvanize people. It's just like the same thing where you and I came out the same day unintentionally. It is happening for that reason. Yeah, no, I I call it God's plan. That's how that really works. Um, you know, anybody who is a person of faith knows that there are things that happen in your life that you can't explain and why. This is one of those times. All right, you and I, yeah, absolutely. The synchronicity of the the two of us never having met before in the bureau. Never uh, having any, you know, we don't have any friends in common that I know of in the Bureau, I don't think. Uh, We haven't come across them and we've been speaking almost every day for five, six months now. Um, You know, so that sort of, that sort of serendipity, that sort of coincidence doesn't exist. That's not a real thing. We don't believe in that as investigators. So what's the root cause? And there's no other thing that I can discern other than, you know, this is God's plan. And Phil said it a long time ago, and I know that he'll not along with this, but he said, if you would brief to me what you were going to do, laid out the plan that has actually happened uh, in the last 18 months. And you said, this is what I'm going to do. And that's what's going to happen next. Phil has told me that he would have called the asylum and had them commit me, um, that they would have shut me down because there's no way this goes down. Not with any plan. There's no way this plan works. And here's the thing. I actually knew that it would work sort of like this. I've always had this feeling that this was the time. And there's something special between not just the fact that we went public about this, which had to happen. Like, you know, there was no way that we were going to get a fair hearing inside the Bureau, inside the Merit Service Protection Board, inside the so-called whistleblower protections of the government. The only way this was going to go down was the court of public opinion and the absolute disgust that, that Americans have because of what they did on January 6th. Okay. So all these events played into each other. We got, it wasn't just that January 6th happened and and the Bureau was weaponized against them. It was that the summer of 2020 happened as well. And so there was an enormous contrast in the way that they, they treated basic everyday Americans who didn't, 
um, you know, want to be bothered. And then they had their homes burned down and their businesses burned down and people were shot and, you know, riots took place over and over and over again, a hundred plus days in Portland alone. So when that happens, it sets up the contrast that one day goes sideways for a few hours. And the only people that are killed are on the team that was rioting, not on the side of the, the defenders and not on the side of the innocent public per se, but people that were involved in the conflict. And then, and then what? And then we go and hunt every one of those people down. We hunt them down with the full force of the misdemeanor offenses of the United States government with 65 page long criminal complaints. And when that's the thing that's happening, America sees it and they're ready. They're like, what comes next? And then they did the COVID man mandates and that hit you and I squarely in the nose. And we both said, this is not going to happen. So you're, you know, we had the same reaction to it, right? Your reaction was radical, uh, uh, like uncomfortable compliance. Yes. Radical like, compliance. I like that. I, that, that. Man, I can't have an Intel report on me now. A rad complier. He's a rad complier. <laughs> and I was obviously a non-complier. I was a COVID uh, vaccine test refuser on, under all circumstances. I have taken, um, I think I've only taken one COVID test. And it's mostly because I was so sick that it didn't matter. And I knew I already had COVID. <laughs> it was like, who cares? And my, and my, uh, I think my mother was like, I want to know because I'm going to go see my, your grandmother and your grandmother's 92 years old. And I was like, all right, whatever. Like, are you going to still go if I have it? And she still did. I had it and she still went anyway. So I don't know what the heck the purpose was as, as for all Americans, it didn't matter. It was one of those spit on a spit on yeah. the stick. I think once, um, I'm not all that familiar with COVID tests. Cause that was the only one I've ever seen. And I didn't, you know, ever order any of them. But um, we're talking about the the right time and the right moment. And people were both interested in hearing. So America was primed to hear what was wrong with the FBI because they were thinking it was probably true because they saw January 6th. I mean, people will claim I knew that what was wrong. No, you didn't. You weren't there. I promise you didn't know. I promise you, you didn't. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying you have no idea how bad it is. And this this document shows one person approved by an entire chain of people who who are part of the wrong. They're one single field office that got one, like they just got caught. That's it. Yep. It is. Right? And I mean, and, and now I'm thinking that, you know, all the stuff that you, you and I have brought forward in the last four months that kind of just fell by the wayside, well, now there's an appetite for this. So maybe we need to go back and start digging into, you know, like that whistleblower uh, training. Or so talk about that. I'm gonna I I know you're gonna have an opportunity probably to speak about this more publicly than than our little podcast here, but talk about the whistleblower protection training being combined with the um with the insider threat. You might want to tell what those what those terms mean. I'm gonna let you just run with it. Just like tell people about it. Yeah. So you got a tip and I got a tip and I was able to get access to the uh, the slide deck for this training. So historically, the FBI gives virtual training uh, throughout the year. It's really ridiculous. You got to do everything from bloodborne pathogens to evidence collection to all these different things that they want to just check the box, make sure you're up to date on your knowledge. Um, Marking classified the, documents, all kinds yes. of other like OSHA things. Phil, are you bringing up the, uh, the, the piece on Uncovered DC? I am terminating dissent. That it is. Okay, very good. Yeah. So uh, if you can you'll show the slideshow there. Yeah. So the, uh, the normally they they have separate training for whistleblowers and for insider threats. Whistleblowers, as we talked about, is somebody who has a belief that there is some sort of malfeasance or waste, fraud, abuse that's going on, and they bring that forward, and they are entitled to certain protections as long as they do it the right way. They bring their concerns to the right people. Mm -hmm. uh, separately, you have 
threat insider threats, which yep. is kind of a is somebody compromised within the FBI and they're going to be uh, providing information to a, to a, an outside evildoer. Um, and and you look for sort of signs of that. It could be somebody in financial distress who suddenly now has a lot of money. It could be somebody who has marital issues. Anything that uh, a a nefarious actor on the outside could use to their advantage to essentially bribe or blackmail to get information. Who is the uh, quintessential insider threat that the FBI like would have on the poster of it? You know, Robert Hansen. Okay, Bob Hansen. You know, former FBI leaking stuff to the Russians. So when you're thinking about this, spies and traitors, right? Yes, spies and traitors. It's very counterintel, uh, but we all have to do it because we should all be on the lookout. So we <laughs> learned that a uh, new form was put forward where they commingled the insider threat with the whistleblower training. Um, and although the information that was provided might be accurate, the sentiment among the individuals who we spoke to and uh, individuals who read the comment section, because you can comment on FBI training like it's some, yeah, you got to explain that I think, but <laughs> so you can comment on FBI training like it's an article and you know the comment there, section. It's like every other government thing; they're asking for a review, like how good is it? I'm yeah. looking for something here. I'm going to show you. And uh, the the takeaway was you're combining this because the uh, you're intimating that whistleblowers are an insider threat to us and you need to be on the lookout for them. And uh, if you do that, you got to report that to the right folks. You got to let the security folks know. You got to let your supervisor know. And that way we can out whistleblowers and maybe use some lesson on the level methods of getting rid of them, like temporarily suspending their security clearance and leaving them uh, unpaid and at home for 145 days. That's right. Now, here's what's really fun, or 250, whatever. Um, what's fun is this week has been a really big week for me personally, because on Monday, my top secret clearance was confirmed terminated. It had been previously suspended indefinitely, just like yours, but now mine is actually terminated and so I might actually be able to have some legal recourse in that sort of sphere. What's fun is, is that I actually took the time, which I've been kind of like not wanting to do, but I sat down and I actually read some of the reasons why I was uh, terminated or why that clearance was terminated. I'm going to read a couple of them because they're just hilarious. And then moreover, I was trying to find the tweet, but I can't. In the same document, the GS-15, the ASAC, Assistant Special Agent in Charge of the New Mexico um, you know, District or the, the Albuquerque Field Office, he... Uh, his name is Eric Brown Jr. And Eric Brown Jr. wrote in his signed sworn statement that I was not being discriminated against, but also stated that I was referred to the office of the insider threat, which is the office that does the thing that you were just talking about. They look for insider threats. Did you know that? No, I didn't even know that was an office. I thought it was. I, yeah, it's underneath the deputy director. So like when I talk about the giant squid, so uh, I will do a full piece on this. And um, if I had an illustrator, if somebody's an illustrator and you want to email me, email me or hit me up on Twitter DM. And I want to draw this. It is a, a giant squid that has a, a mouth and the mouth has 15 arms coming out of it. Those are all the officers, uh, the offices of the, the deputy director. And then outside of the mouth are the regular arms. There's um there's five like rail like large normal arms, but they all have their own brain. And then those all split off into like five or six other arms and the, they all have their own brain. And then all of those arms run down into 56 bundles. They all, each one of them touches another into 56 individual bundles. And those bundles um, are the field offices. And that's just the agent and non-intel people. 
right? You're going to need more than an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper for this. I don't know. Someone could be very talented at drawing all this. So like, it doesn't, like, I'm not a cartoonist. All I'm saying is I was reported to the office of the insider threat, which is one of the um, small arms around the mouth of the squid. And it, you know, reports the deputy director and that because I was reported to the insider threat and because I was hostile and confrontational and I was mean and I didn't go get COVID tests. I assume that's what they're talking about. All this stuff. I was removed from my criminal squad. Which one's more sensitive again? Criminal or national security? I think NATSEC is. Okay, NATSEC. And so I was assigned to a national security squad despite not having an SCI read at the time. And then I was assigned no cases to sit there. So they not only put me on a national security squad, they gave me nothing to do. So I could just poke around online and try to figure out what the hell I was doing. And I didn't know that I'd been reported to the insider threat. Maybe this was like a ruse to try to catch me, which is even funnier, like catch me doing what? Um, so I sat in the, uh, you know, not skiff and I, I just sat there on FBI time and did basically nothing for most of my, my days for six weeks, uh, other than get like re-upped on my paramedic training and, uh, try to figure out what kind of cases. And when they asked me what kind of cases I wanted to work, I said, alien cases. I said, I wanted to investigate the Dolce base and the uh, shootout that happened at the Archuleta Mesa, which is one of the dumbs, a deep underground military base. If you're an alien fan, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, my boss is like, what happened there again? And I go, oh, it was back in the eighties. Like, I think one of the, uh, I think the grays got into a firefight with like Delta force. And he's like, when you say grays, do you mean, do you mean aliens? And I, I looked at him and I just go, um, well, what do you call them? And he goes, <laughs> as a opposed to and i was like you know the blues or the rounds like I, I, dude are, are we what do you think can i do this case and he did he goes i don't know if you're serious and i was like me neither and i and i left um so that's fun if you if you had given him a COVID test he probably would have let you open a full investigation that's an interesting idea we may have missed out on the x-files here okay this came directly uh, i tweeted this because it's funny this came directly out of my uh notice of termination of security clearance and i'm going to read it verbatim because it's freaking hilarious. During 2022, you demonstrated a repeated pattern of unwillingness to comply with numerous FBI rules and regulations, which included, but were not limited to those regarding safe handling of weapons and policy. I painted my rifle and I had a red dot on one of my personal pistols. Made unauthorized release of sensitive government information. That's true. Uh, in addition... You repeatedly appeared in public media and provided information used in news articles, video posts, and media reports. Guilty. The information you provided disclosed the existence of FBI investigations. What do you think the public thinks we do? Um, FBI methods and capabilities. They're all unclassified. So suck a D. And identifies uh, or the identities of active FBI personnel without authorization. Tell me again about the uh, Facebook page that your truck had. On the res? Uh, yeah, yeah. They set one up so that it was like, this is the Fed. So everybody out there is on Facebook. They don't have any ability to use cell phone uh, minutes data. or you know, yeah. service data. So they're all just using Facebook to communicate. And uh, yeah, I had a uh, the Winnebago tribe of Nebraska set up a nice Facebook account for my Ford F-150. And they would just say where you were? Yes. They would just check you I'm, in as you I'm were not, out there doing... I'm not a secret agent. Uh, You're not. I, I could. I actually they gave me credentials that I am compelled to provide to people to see, and I verify my identity and my duties and responsibilities upon request. Uh, were you authorized to identify the identity of yourself? Now that would be revealing some sources and methods. So yeah, don't do that. Okay, never mind. I don't want to get you in trouble. Your security clearance is still <laughs> review. Um, uh, 
security division, he complied with your fake policy that you made up in your heads, uh, you clowns. And then it finally says, these serve as the basis. Actually, (laughs) these serve as the bases, not the basis. It's B-A-S-E-S. Of course, they use the wrong word. These serve as the bases. Bases? (laughs) No, all their bases belong to me. Um, (laughs) The bases for... Revocation of a security clearance and access to national security information, which is fine. By the way, I don't work for the FBI. It doesn't matter if I have a security clearance and I don't really care if I have another one at this point. Um, it was pretty lame. It was one of the lamer things that I've had to do in my life is have that huge background check to do what I really want to do, which was not do national security. Uh, probably much like you also didn't need one for Indian country. I needed one to get into the skiff when the alarm went off. That's it. Somebody had to go turn off the alarm. That's to it. Their- to their credit, security division, two of the three, the two that understood English as their first language, uh, laughed when I said that. <laughs> stop it. Stop it. It's so bad. My training agent didn't speak English as a first language either. Well, I, He's a great guy, though. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, they, and they, they laughed. And they said, yeah, that, that probably sounds about right. That's that's kind of the way we do things. Just give it's you so a top wrong. secret SCI security clearance because if you know water drips down from the air conditioning system and set the alarm off, you need to go in there and turn it off, new guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, Phil, you sent over a tweet to me, but that is not the one. There's one where I actually did like um I actually blocked it off. I probably could dig it up, but it's not that important. Uh and I'll probably retweet it again because I love the idea that now that people are looking at what's going on, that not only am I an insider threat, but I was an insider threat that was promoted to work national security because of being an insider threat. But it definitely wasn't punitive. It wasn't punitive. It made total sense to nobody, to absolutely nobody in the world. Steve, uh, what, what's our time check looking like, Phil? Where are we at? We are at an hour, about an hour 10, something like that. Holy moly. We can just run our mouths all night. All right, let's wrap this sucker. This has been a long week and I haven't had any debrief uh, or, you know, podcast updates. So I am apologetic, folks. Uh, This is going to be our last little piece here. You want to pull up a crime and punishment, but while you do that, maybe tell me, or maybe Phil can, um, you'll tell me about your new job and and tell me how the Bureau decided to approve it. Oh, yeah. So uh, I got a job as a senior fellow for the Center for Renewing America. They asked me to come on uh, as a fellow to advise on security and intelligence uh, matters and hopefully help with this new select committee on the weaponization of the government. Uh, I filled out my FD3031 that I was given on the way out the door to seek right. outside employment, uh, submitted that and actually said, hey, they this is needs to be done forthwith because you know I, I want to start. They need me to start soon. Can you pass this up? Uh, and I gave that to them on a Friday. On the following Monday morning, I heard back, uh, no, uh, you were not approved for uh, for work with this organization for, for um, learning for earning a living to support your family. Correct, correct, and 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 even in my conversations with the uh, the OIC Office of Integrity and Compliance Attorney, he said I was going to have issues with that uh, this this group plus the fact that I was limited to seventy five hundred dollars of earning a year, uh, and they were offering <laughs> me an annual salary. Um, and uh, and then there was even more confusion than about, more than seventy five hundred dollars a year. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we, 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 we like to eat more than just uh, ramen. So, uh, and then there was even confusion about how to submit it. They said that I might have to get uh, escorted into an FBI space in order to submit it on the classified system, because that's what you do with an unclassified document in the FBI, because it's super secure. Um, but eventually mm. I was just able to do it with my Gmail account and get rejected by a Gmail account. 
to which uh, I, I was able to record a nice three-minute video on Twitter and get that word out because that is vitally important that they know that whistleblowers are being you know, punished by the FBI in direct uh, direct contravention to what Director Ray assured under oath Congress we would be protected and respected. That is not happening. He did say that under oath, didn't he? Yes, yes. Uh, the, why do you know, think that he uh, violates the uh, the the prohibition of lying under oath? Why do you think he thinks that's okay? He doesn't think there's any consequences. That's why he can go on a plane on vacation from a statutorily required hearing. All right. Um, here's what's fun. Today, the jet picked up and flew from Manassas to Atlanta. Direct. No DCA. Nice. He had to sit in traffic. Well, he probably what left it, work early. He, he did. It was like 10 o'clock. It was like 11 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, morning okay. here. So it was early there. The question is this. Up, did he possibly... Yeah. Why is the FBI director with just a 10-year appointment yes. not moving his family to Washington, D.C.? Because uh, he's very committed to America and he wants to live in Atlanta, which is still America and not D.C. probably. Because he's not committed to anything because this guy is a political clown who gets to fly around in a private jet. Why would you move if you could fly in a private jet back and see your wife whenever you wanted? That'd be super easy. I would do that too. Um, no, I wouldn't. I have scruples. I'd move my family nearby because I want to be around them. I wouldn't want to live next to a Chinese guy and uh, hang out in DC. More to come on that, people. No, more to come. Um, more to I, come. I, all right. I pulled up episode uh, 69. I know we talked about it while we were uh, on the 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 Chris Gonzalez episode, but I want to read it again because Andy McCabe is a clown that should be outed every opportunity we have. And this is a second one. Do you have it handy or do you want me to read it? You go ahead and read it. I got to pull up the other ones. Got it. Here we go, folks. This is the crime and punishment section. Uh, this is a FBI OPR files, hashtag OPR files and follow Steve friend at, at real Steve friend spelled out Steve with a V real Steve friend on Twitter and real underscore Steve friend at true social. Here it is unauthorized disclosure, lack of candor SES. That's a senior executive service employee authorized, uh, authorized disclosure to the media of sensitive information regarding an ongoing investigation and then lacked candor under oath when questioned about it. In mitigation, the SES employee has an exceptional performance record and was dealing with unprecedented challenges, aka being the deputy director. In aggravation and lying about President Trump. In aggravation, SES employee was expected to display the utmost integrity. Lack of candor is incompatible with the FBI's core values. The offense codes are lack of candor, no oath, offense code uh, 2.5, lack of candor under oath 2.6, and unauthorized disclosure, 4.10. The penalty is dismissal. What was the update on that after Andy McCabe, the deputy director and former acting director of the FBI, was uh, illegally lying to his own office? What happened to him again? Uh, new presidential administration came in, settled with him to pay him all his back pay and his legal fees and his pension. Right. Good. Uh, looking forward to Trump winning. And uh, Phil, can you tell me... Um, how much did he raise on the GoFundMe account? Do you remember? He oh, raised that half, was like a half a million dollars in three days. 500 grand in three days. Why do you think that was? Why do you think people wanted to give Andy McCabe half a million dollars for lying to his compatriots? Is it because he got Trump? Yeah, the same reason he got a cush job on CNN the minute he lost his job. Published okay, do you- too. Will you do me a favor, Phil? Will you pull up a browser with Google? We'll do this at the end here just because it's fun. Okay. You got a Google browser open and just throw that on the screen. 
Uh, yeah, I usually go with Brave, but so this will take No, no. I, yeah, I want you to go with with uh with Google. All right, give me a second here. Listen, here. I did this search earlier. It was the result I ended up tweeting the results of it. I think it's very I, very relevant. I can filibuster. I can filibuster because I want to talk got? about Andrew McCabe's book, The Threat. And I want to see where his sales rankings are to mine today because mine got a little bit of a bump today, and I'm very excited. I'm going to talk to you about this. I'm ranked number five on Amazon, brother. Are you really? Yeah, that is yeah. awesome. All right, tell me about talk about your book. Who cares about this Google thing for a second? <laughs> then we'll get it pulled up. Tell people about your book. Yeah, I keep forgetting because. Everything's going so fast right now, and there's so much stupidity that there's good news. And the good news is you wrote a book, which takes significant dedication. You should be proud of yourself. I'm proud of you. Send it. Thank what you. do you got? Uh, called True Blue, My Journey from Beat Cop to FBI Whistleblower. I wrote it at, shortly after my suspension. It is on pre-sale, has been on pre-sale now for about two weeks. Uh, it goes on official sale July 18th. Yes. And to this, this morning, I had the uh, great opportunity to speak to Steve Baden on The War Room, and uh, he promoted my book. So I picked up about a 1,000 Twitter followers, and then my publisher sent me an email and said, uh, you had a very nice jump today, to which I, I jumped on and uh, saw that it is currently Is this number, number five in what number category? Number five in the United States national government, number seven in political corruption and misconduct, number seven in law enforcement biographies. So I'm going to be sending this over to Jesse Kelly later today, telling him that I'm a world famous author too. That's badass, man. There's no other way to say it. I freaking love it. Um, it also, if you uh, go look for it on Amazon and you want to order a copy, I, I hope you do. Um, it's got a very pretty picture of... Steve in his most clean camouflaged uniform that uh, embarrassed him at the time and is still paying dividends now that his wife is never going to have to live this down, is she? No, nope. doesn't Proverbs say that uh, a good woman is worth her weight or a value of rubies? And uh, my my uh, my wife's no exception. Tell the story of how those pictures came about, by the way. So my wife has made us do uh, family pictures. I think I last count it was 13 times um, and we've been together for 11 years. <laughs> um, so one of them, she said, Hey, you know, before we move on, I want to do some pictures in the nice Midwest fall. And I would really like for you to be wearing your, your FBI uh, SWAT gear. So, you know, you and I have discussed it. Like these are the equivalent of dick pics within the, uh, the tactical community. And I told yes, her tactical I, would dick pics. <laughs> I would do that, uh, with the understanding that they would never be made public. Um, so, uh, Got those pictures done. Then when I got suspended, I asked her to update my LinkedIn page because I thought that's how I would get a new job. And she used my SWAT pictures on the uh, on the profile. So that's what Miranda Devine used in her New York Post. And, uh, and then I actually do have uh, a whole roll of them. So when the publisher asked for any sort of pictures and America had already seen my SWAT dick pics, I figured let's go with it. Just airbrush it up. So I look nice like a I call myself the Pixar princess. I do not have a blemish or wrinkle on me. Unbelievable. Um, this is why your SWAT team actually won't talk to you. It has nothing to do with them being scared of being suspended. They're just embarrassed about your pictures. That That's a small possibility. Phil, did you uh, <laughs> did you pull up this Google? Yep. Yep. We got Google up and running. What do we need? Type in FBI space Catholic. See what comes up. Yeah, so we'll have similar results, I imagine. FBI Read some of those headlines. Warns against radical traditionalist Catholic ideology. Okay, who are the who are the um, the news organizations that are publishing here? Just read them off. Oh, National Review, Fox okay. News, The Daily Signal, Catholic News okay. Agency. Yep, Yahoo actually CNN. picked it up. 
No CNN, no MSNBC, no NBC, no ABC, no CBS. I tweeted at all of them today. Alan Fuhrer, um, where are you at, buddy? We need you from the New York Times. Yeah, no New York Times, no WAPO. So it's worth noting that when you have this kind of um, news blackout, um, it just shows you why, like Fox News is one of the only places why you know um, Real America's Voice has a has an opportunity, why OANN has an opportunity, why Newsmax has an audience, and it's because they're willing to actually do reporting on things that matter. And I, I my question to those news media organizations that are blacking it out was, do you not know any Catholics? I bet you they do. I bet you they do because everybody knows somebody who's Catholic. Absolutely everybody in this country knows somebody who's Catholic unless you are Amish and you live on an Amish farm, in which case you're not listening to the Kyle Seraphin show. Uh, all that being said, let's go ahead and wrap this sucker up. But we're probably at like what, like an hour and a half. And that's more than enough time for anybody to listen to what I have to say. Will you give us a five-star review? And uh, folks, um, Phil's going to read one of them. If you give us a five-star review, we really do appreciate it. Uh, if you want to write something clever and witty, then Phil will probably read one on the fly. Like I'm stressing him out here to go find it at the moment. And uh, we'll read it. On the show. So we got a really nice one here, Kyle. This guy mm. loves your show. His name is Ragnumo. He wrote, great info from a great man. Kyle is a well on knowledge, on more than just the wankers at the FBI. He interviews interesting people, and he asks the questions that I would ask those he is interviewing. I only have time to listen to a few podcasts a week while I am driving to and from the hospital where I work. And I have unsubscribed to one or two podcasts just so I can listen to Kyle Serafin. Thanks for not getting the jab, Kyle, and warning others about the jab, government overreach, the erosion of civil liberties, and the crimes committed by federal law enforcement. This is info every American should want to know about, but sadly, too many have chosen to bury their heads in the sand, not realizing that they are suffocating themselves literally. We also have a nice comment here on the Gibson Go. Do you want me to check that out? Yeah, by all means. Yeah. Thank you. So Bill T. Thank you, Bill. Nice donation. He wrote, great courage. You are hopefully a true agent for change to return the FBI to the days when integrity and professional nonpartisanship were FBI hallmarks. I was a proud FBI agent for 27 years and former whistleblower too. Today, it seems to be the most politically corrupt government entity in abusing its considerable powers. I'm ashamed to admit to anyone of my former career. Keep up the fight. Semper Fi. Bill, you and I have something in common for sure. <laughs> I don't tell anybody where I used to work. Yeah, that's something, isn't it? Um, Bill, if you want to come be a guest on the show and talk about your experience and when it used to be honorable and how you saw it change, you let me know. Uh, you can reach out to me on DMs. Those are always open, folks. I get a nice, nice smattering of lovely comments from some of you. I get a little mixture of mental illness, and then I get reporters who uh, are from different countries trying to uh, get a FISA on me on behalf of the FBI. So uh, open DMs on Twitter, always a minefield, but a good time. Steve, I'm very appreciative you joined me today. Uh, gave me something to talk about. I needed somebody to bound all my crazy ideas off. It has been a wild week for both of us. I think it's only going to get wilder. So tuck into the maelstrom, right, bud? Absolutely, man. Hit the thermal exhaust port. Send in those photon torpedoes. Folks, this has been the Kyle Serafin Show. Thank you for so much for listening. We do appreciate all of your attention. And if you just joined us recently because of the Dan Bongino radio show that I was on there, I'm grateful for you downloading, liking, subscribing, and by all means, share this with your friends if you want them to uh, to join and, and listen in 
We are highly appreciative of it. There's no money involved in the show at this moment. It's just a labor of love. And we we're just trying to share with you things that we know that it might be of use and entertain you a little bit on the side too. This has been the Kyle Serafin Show. We'll see you again on Monday. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show. Be sure to follow him on Twitter and Truth at Kyle Serafin.